<laughs> Helps if I put us on the screen. Wait. Yes. Hi, everyone. This is Andy and Hedia, Living Fearless Devotional. We're on the live version, but it'll later be a podcast. It's a little bit late. I look a little sleepy, I know. <laughs> but we got a lot to say. We got a lot to say today. Don't we? We do. We do. Oh, my gosh. You can find all of our content. If you miss us now, you can find it on resurrectministry.com. And you can also subscribe to our channel from there. Find our other channel uh, where I do the Remnant Rising show, Andy's uh, Fearless Man podcast. You can send us a comment from the website as well. And if you'd like to partner with us, we would be blessed by a donation of any amount. Yes. All of that. All of that. What did we do yesterday? Uh, we had life group. Oh, life group went late. We didn't get out there until like 10, 10 something. Yes. Yes, yeah, so it was too late. Oh, you guys. Sorry, were, we were late. You guys were in bed. Uh, but we uh, tonight we had angels and demons. And uh, Chris said something that at the almost the same exact moment that I was thinking it is that if anybody were to walk into that room during some of our discussions, they would thought, what? is going on in this room you guys are talking crazy uh, crazy talk because i love that but that's what i tell my daughter when she watches all those like sorcery movies and and i'm really discouraging that and i tell her I, we are the best demon slayers there are we right. are the strongest and most powerful we've got the blood of jesus <laughs> you know like you listen to it it's all about casting out demons and having the strength and and the support of angels that we can call, ask God to send his heavenly angels to minister, to protect, to war on our behalf. Yeah. Oh man, we've got we've got all the power in just the blood of Jesus. This was the final day of a five day. It was supposed to be five. It turned to four. Yeah. A five day um, master class. Master class that we had with uh, Pastor uh, Chris Ward uh, did an amazing job. He really did. Really loved he it. Did a good job. And when he didn't know, he told you he didn't know. And then he looked it up. And then he, you had a question that he didn't know. He answered it tonight. Yes. Which was awesome. And that was great because he said he would. Yes. All through. Good, good deal. All right. We're reading now from um, Morning by Morning by Charles Spurgeon, devotional. Uh, today happens to be July 26th. Some of our friends are trying to buy the book, so... Uh, can we mention which version we have? Because the, the original Charles Spurgeon is very difficult English. Yes. Uh, this one, the one is edited by Jim Ryman. Yes. Jim Ryman. It actually says it on there. So it'll say the morning by morning devotional, Charles Spurgeon, um, edited by Jim Ryman. Exactly. It makes it a little bit easier to understand. Even though I still have some difficulty reading it, <laughs> it's better than it was. Well, the first one was really, <laughs> we're like, wow, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so here we go. For July 26th, uh, the reference is 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. It says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So when I read this, I'm going to do my very best to read through it without... Um, without giggling giggling <laughs> because as you giggle charles spurgeon happened to be in our house today <laughs> so here we go if you desire to have the clear understanding of full assurance of faith as a gift of grace from god's blessed holy spirit do what the scripture tells you make every effort to see that your faith is the right kind not merely a doctrinal belief but a simple faith depending on Christ and on Christ alone. Make every effort to have courage. Ask God to give you the face of a lion, determination and awareness of God's righteousness so you may boldly persevere, diligently study the scriptures to get knowledge for the knowledge of doctrine will strongly confirm your faith. Make every effort to understand God's word. Let the word Christ, the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Once you have done these things, add to knowledge self-control. Be self-controlled without. Be self-controlled without in your body and be self-controlled within in your soul. Be self-controlled when it comes to your mouth, your thoughts, your heart, and your entire life. Then add to self-control perseverance. 
asking God through the power of his Holy Spirit for perseverance that can endure difficulties and when tested will come forth as gold. Clothe yourself with endurance so you will not be tempted to complain or become depressed in your sufferings. Once perseverance is won, add godliness. But remember, godliness is much more than mere religion. Make glorifying God the goal of your life, living in his sight and seeking close fellowship with him, and you will have godliness. Then add to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Show kindness and love to all God's saints, the type of kindness and love that opens its arms to all people and truly loves their souls. When you are finally adorned with all these jewels or heavenly virtues in the proper proportion as you practice them, you will have the clearest evidence and knowledge of your calling and election. Thus make every effort if you desire full assurance, for being lukewarm and doubting go hand in hand. Yay. Yay. So I want to comment, do you mind if I go? Go ahead. Uh, On the scripture, because... There's a distinct purpose for why it's in the order that it's in. And so you start with goodness, right? You're seeking faith in Christ. You're giving your life over. So there's also this inherent goodness, like this euphoria when you first come to faith. I think that's part of the goodness. And as you walk into goodness, you're acquiring knowledge. You're reading the scripture so you understand that God didn't just save you for yourself not to go to hell, which is a great thing, but to serve and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice and to carry your cross. So that knowledge, once you gain that knowledge, you're hoping with that knowledge comes self-control, where you're trying to walk out your faith and your salvation with fear and trembling, as Peter says, so that you're not just going back to the old man and living in the sin, but you're actually practicing what you've learned by exercising self-control without meaning in your body, but also in your soul and your thoughts in your mind and your heart, right? Perseverance is my favorite perseverance. And he says, endurance, where you're just kind of, you're, you're almost exhausted. You're almost exhausted from the amount of self-control that you have to exhibit. And he's, and Spurgeon's comment is that you're asking for, the endurance to make it through without also grumbling and complaining like, oh my God, woe is me. I'm so tired. This is exhausting. Satan's attacking me. Nothing goes right. That you have an endurance with, with gladness, you mm. know, with there's a joy in it. And then if you get to the stage where you start to perfect or master those, then you achieve that godliness. Then you actually start to manifest Christ. Um, and it's not just because you're following religious rules, but because uh, Christ is living in you and you're walking out that um, manifestation of him in your life. And that's the river from which the brotherly kindness and love flows. Hmm. But you can't really do these out of order because you can't expect that, you know, if I, I know at least for myself, as Christ was remaking me, I wasn't walking around with this sort of, uh, you know, random brotherly kindness because I was still working on myself. So in other words, the natural progression starts with ourselves and then flows outward and trying to do them out of order becomes very difficult. Hmm. It's a natural progression. Define godliness. It is. It relates to us. I know. You know I, as God human godly. Well, it, how can we be godly? So godliness God? is holiness. So it's manifesting the fruit of the spirit, kindness, gentleness, forbearance, self-control, and most of all, love. Mm -hmm. So it is um, that the living sacrifice, meaning you you do things without grumbling, you uh, show kindness even to your enemies, you pray for your enemies, you, um, you give to the poor, you take care of the widows, all of those things that are Christ-like. Our godliness. So it's the closer you walk with Christ that we can only do that are only possible by virtue of the Holy Spirit. I lived in a religion that told you do this, do that, do this. And it was like monkey in, monkey out. So you could do them for a week, you could do them for six months, you could do them for 10 years, but there's no transformation. Mm -hmm. 
a set of rules. It's religion. But with Christ, the closer you walk with him, you're basically dressed with his godliness. It's by virtue of the Holy Spirit transforming us from the inside out, not from the outside in. Um, those of you watching, please comment. Let us know what you think, uh, what you think of this God devotional is. and godliness and that kind of thing. Um, the reason I ask is there's a, a little bit, and I think this is something that also I, I'm not sure if I read it in the article, one of the articles I just recently read, is that the difficulty that maybe some men have, and I mean, maybe probably women too, is that when you think of being godly, is that it's also asking you to be a doormat. That people walk all over you because you're just going to say, oh, it's okay. It's well, okay that you punch me in the face. Look at it's Christ. It's okay that you spit on me. Look at Christ. Hmm. You know, he got insulted, mocked, um, but that didn't make him weak. That made him, because to do so, to, to be patient in the face of adversity and to not, um, cast an eye to an eye, you know what I mean? To repeat to return an offense from an offense takes strength. It, it takes a lot of strength because our flesh wants to respond. Mm -hmm. And so it takes godliness to not do it. It's really quite the opposite, but Satan tricks us by whispering in our ear saying, oh, you better respond. Oh, you can't let this go. You, you better respond. And that's just the trick of the enemy because he wants us to engage in the mud. He wants us to fight. So then I'll take it to our lesson tonight. And I'm not arguing with you. I'm just, just wanted to cover all these issues because it, it becomes difficult. I think sometimes to talk to men about these kinds of things. And so I'm coming from a, a man's perspective. And I, like I said, I think that, that women may feel this way too, that at what point do I tell my husband, you know, stop punching me. And, you know, we get, we need to get a divorce or you need to, we need to go to whatever. So instead of, Oh, that's okay. I still love you. <laughs> that um, that then we come to night's teaching where it says put on your armor and carry a sword. Right? That, that doesn't sound like it's somebody that's going to be. But what's a, a sword made out of? Steel. No, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. So, the armor is the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit which is the true infallible word of the gospel. That's exactly what the scripture says. It's not a sword, though they give the imagery of uh, traditional armor. They are not carnal weapons. They're spiritual weapons. And so think about it in the reverse. I'll give you concrete examples where I've been attacked and un unrightly attacked and when I went back and I prayed to respond, the Lord was like, this is not your battle. I will fight this battle. Do not respond. It took literally everything in me not to respond, but he did end up fighting that battle for me. You know what I mean? So it if is what I'm thinking of. I mean, you were hundred percent right. I mean, that, but is, that I mean, to you and me, I was hundred yeah. percent right. But to the whole world, to mm -hmm. the country, I wasn't necessarily right. No, you're still right. <laughs> half of the country did not agree with yeah, me they don't agree with you, but you're half not. of the country did not agree with me but the things i was accused of and the accusations that were hurled at me were hurtful and just horrible and i could have lodged a couple myself but he tied my tongue he did i mean i listened to 45 minutes of how bad i was as a human being mm -hmm. And I, and it, because I prayed before I went on to this conference call about the, the, about the issue and Lord's like, do not say a word, do not defend yourself. And so I think as Chris taught us today, we also have to pray constantly for when righteous anger, because everyone, anytime you talk about anger, everyone's like, Jesus flipped over the tables <laughs> in the temple. Yeah. Well, because that was a righteous anger over the defiling of God's temple. And he was brutalizing a table and trinkets, not a person. A person. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to send a message. Right. It's like a coach, you know, at halftime saying, you guys really stink and pulls over, uh, you know, lifts up the Gatorade table with all the cups and pours it and then walks out. And as he walks out, he kind of smiles to the, <laughs> that, that'll get him. 
wink and a nod. Well, and, and, and Christ had harsh words uh, for people too, when it was appropriate, but that's why it was so important. Chris constantly made this point. You have to know when you're getting assaulted by the enemy so that you recognize the assault of the enemy and you step back and you ask for God's protection and wisdom. Okay, what am I supposed to do in this situation so we're not constantly responding in the flesh? So where does holding your ground, as we learned, not last night, but the night before, holding your ground, not retreating, but holding your ground, where does that fit into that, do you think? Well, and I know these are, I'm putting you on the spot here, but no, um, it's even in Ephesians six, it says when, when the enemy attacks stand, you don't advance. It's saying, stand your ground, meaning do not be shaken, have the face of a lion. So you're not shaken. You stand on your principles. It's just like the argument I had with my daughter. Remember repeatedly where she was coming at me, her, her therapist was coming at me, her teachers and counselors are coming at me. You need to do this. I'm like, no, I don't. I stand on these principles. You know, so we have to, we always have to be a representative. I'm not saying, I'm speaking abstractly that this is the ideal. None of us ever do the ideal. (laughs) But we're saying that ideally, as we get closer to godliness, we are able to stand in, in holiness and in righteousness and only respond when appropriate. So when, like, uh, I've seen you, I'm going to use a dog analogy. Mm. I'm going to use a dog analogy. You never start screaming at the dog, right? Because it's a dog that's barking. You just, the commands are strong and firm. That's Mm. it. You know, like you always make fun of owners that are tugging and pulling at their dogs and screaming. And it's like, it, it can't be like that, even with children, right? There has to be a sense of respect for the authority and a person's respect for authority comes from how they hold themselves, how they stand. So interesting as we talk through this, that because I was thinking about being a police officer and, you know, there's times where we have to tackle people and handcuff them and use some force to get them. But you see me investigate these cases. And uh, one in particular, I think I was talking about, it's one I just got recently about a use of force. About, I have two different cases. One where the officers, I'm going to try to use it, try to say it so that it doesn't identify. That. Identify. <laughs> but so the officers came out and were, and were uh, after an armed and dangerous, uh, a potentially armed and dangerous suspect. Um, he has a history of being armed. But when they jumped out with their weapons and their uniforms and a canine, they said, get on the ground and, you know, uh, comply with our commands. And the guy did that. And yet they bit him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, okay. That, that's not so good. I, I have another case where they said they were going to arrest a guy. The canine was there and the guy turned and ran. And in my discussion, because it was a domestic violence, this, this will have a point, I promise. Is, is that um, with domestic, I've always told handlers, do not send your dog on domestic violence suspects <laughs> because it's a decim, decim, domestic violence where the victims quite often turn on you. Yeah. So the, the wife, quite often, you know, even though she's they been assaulted, buying, yeah. um, they, they suddenly become a, a, you know, a champion for the person that just hit them. And so it never goes well. And it's hard when you've bitten them and hurt them. And now you have the victim saying, he didn't hit me. I was just, I made it all up or whatever. And now you have an injury. Um, but in this case, what happened was he ran towards a house that didn't belong to him and he was going to get inside and they, they sent the dog and bit him. Um, and so the, the two differences that you had a guy that complied, they bit him wrong. They got a guy that they gave him the opportunity to give up and they waited and waited and waited until he started to commit a separate crime where he may have taken hostages. And they bit him, but then took him into custody. So you have that, those scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. You got compliance and they didn't, they didn't have God's self-control. And there was no self-control. There was no brotherly kindness. <laughs> there was absolutely no love. It was just like, you're a bad guy. We're going to uh, hurt you. Right. Even though you've complied, yeah. we right. still want to hurt you. Right. Uh, the other one is they had self-control. And waited. The guy right. could have at any point turned around and said, okay, I give up. And he wouldn't have been bit and, and that kind of stuff. 
but then it turned into something else where they had to protect the person that lived at the house that they were trying to go into. And then there's other times as a police officer where you're getting yelled at, you're a piece of garbage, right? you're a fool. How you're many idiot. times have you oh, had Hundreds. This? Right. Hundreds. And can you imagine if you went bananas yeah. every time they did that to you? Yep. And, and it taught, you just have to, that, that's not, there's no, our, uh, as law enforcement officers, your peace cannot be disturbed. Your peace can be disturbed as a civilian, but my peace when I was in uniform could not be disturbed. So they could say whatever they wanted. They can, um, you know, talk about my mom, talk about my kids, talk about my wife, and I, I couldn't have any response. And that's, that, that, that really that's caused you to have that self-control, <laughs> perseverance, and, uh, and, and in some cases, kind of godliness. And, it, it, and I think there's even sometimes people come on here with certain comments. And that's one thing that they, they like about how we handle those comments that shows uh, the presence of God. So the question we must ask ourselves. So anyway, I was just showing you a bunch of different situations oh, no, where it, it kind of complains. So my question is what makes us respond differently to different people? You're getting to my exact point. <laughs> Which is what? They've triggered us. Yes. They're a trigger. You got people in your life. Right. Like, see, these are situations with the public. Right. People that you don't have a relationship with or a history with. But then it was going to be this. My part two is that this becomes way more difficult with people that you once loved or once were in a relationship with um, that it doesn't take. But it doesn't take. What's the root of that? What was Chris's first point today? Good question. What was that? <laughs> it's unforgiveness. That, um, that person can trigger you because the person theoretically should be like a stranger on the street. But they have the ability, like when my mom, she, she, I'm sorry to say this on TV, but she triggers me. Like a simple comment suddenly sends this flood of emotions of my childhood. And like, you always did this to me. And the other day, um, she got upset at me for regulating what my daughter was eating. And she's like, don't just let her eat whatever she wants. And I looked at her and I was like, you regulated what I ate my whole like childhood. She's like, but that was wrong. And I was like, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm like, wow. I first of all, never heard my mom say that was wrong in, in reference to something she did. But I just realized that it was, and it, it, it was a very tense interaction. And I just realized that I was doing to her, my daughter, what she had done to me. And it was negative. It was just me passing this on. Mm. And it was because I, the, the relationship is still fraught with unforgiveness and, and missing brotherly kindness. <sighs> you know, I wasn't able, to, I'm not able to express, and I pray like crazy before I go over there, like, Lord, please, I just want to have the righteousness of Christ. Give me the restraint of the Holy Spirit in my words, in my actions, don't let me ruin my witness today. Mm. You know, and it's, it's important because it's an, because the enemy knows it's a, it's a trigger. And so the enemy uses that as a trigger and yeah. says, I'm going to come at you from this person because this person will make you ruin your witness. And what happens when you ruin your witness, you go home and you feel defeated. I suck. I'm never going to be that good. And that's why that's one of the attacks of Satan, discouragement. You're never going to be able to walk like Jesus. You're never going to be able to look like Jesus because you're constantly giving in. You, you, uh, look how weak you are. See, you failed again. The person does that too. And the person does that to you. Yeah. Well, because Grab that's Satan. And, and texts it to me. Well, because that's, <laughs> because that's, because Satan used to, to scripture against Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yes. Wow. He, he told Jesus, he said, if you're the son of God, then these angels mm. will stop you from hitting your foot against the stone. So throw yourself in the mountain. He's like, no, we don't tempt God. So even Satan knows scripture. Even Satan believes God. He knows the Bible as well as. As well as know, anybody. The disciple. Uh, and they'll use it as prophet. a weapon. Be strong and courageous, my friends. <laughs> I want to know how Charles Spurgeon 100 years ago knew on this date that we <laughs> right? we'd have had this discussion before we read the devotional. Oh, I love it. So good. God is so good. But isn't so that good. interesting that this passage here, that 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, 
is it's it's like wow yeah i i mean i've done that for in a 21 year career as a police officer i i've i th- there, i've had complaints but none of the complaints were uh, founded because when they when they investigated they said oh no you know officer he has used you know proper Probably you know, restraint course. yeah you know <laughs> uh, perseverance or whatever you want however you want to say it um so you know, I can read the scripture and go, and I look at it and go, oh yeah, I, I know exactly what this means. Cause I think that most of my career, I could say that, you know, I, I got officer of the year or career achievement award was based on because of this, but yet you now s- turn it over here to relationships. And then that, and that's so difficult. <laughs> you know? absolutely like how can i mean how can you put that into into practice now this is all for you folks there is that you can you could probably think yeah i could walk down the street and somebody could say you're a jerk and say oh god be with you i you know and, you know here's some scripture for you and i hope you get your day gets better you know what's ever bothering you you can honk at somebody and they can come and yell at you and you can <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> Like, but then, then somebody like your like your mom like yeah. your mom's uh, you know says why did you do that what the you know <laughs> <laughs> you, it's just completely it's like two different worlds where the scripture is yes not a problem but no I mean it's and that's what Chris is trying to teach us that's the enemy mm. he knows us better than we know ourselves and that's why we study the tactics of the enemy. So we're able to say to ourselves, I know what you're doing right now, Satan. I'm not giving in. Wow. And, and now, and I want to throw one more mix in here. Okay. And uh, being in the, I was in uh, a detective in domestic violence uh, called family crimes is what we called it. And um, there are certain people that keep putting themselves in those kind of toxic relationships and continue. They, they, it's almost like this is what becomes pattern because it's a pattern, but well, they also, they're, they're, that's who they, 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 they leave a man who's done this, and that, and the other thing, but that's broken people. You're but talking about they, non-believers, right? No, we have, we have Christian. I mean, I know, believers no but spirit-filled people that keep (laughs) Uh, that keep marrying abusers yeah but they'll find another you know they go right to another relationship where the same thing happens like what you're attracted to these bad boys and and the men too i i know i had plenty of cases where men got beat up by the women and then they would go and marry another woman that did the same thing spirit-filled believers again you know unlikely you know we can be of course none of the groups we're in now but <laughs> you're going to be being a Bible study where the same person has the same stuff over and over and over again. And they're in they're in a Bible study or a life group. And they, they say that they're, well, you know, both of us love to study people. Mm-hmm. And so I'll tell you from the people I have met um, for the most part, the abusive relationships they're in started before they were believers and they either became believers together and now are stuck with this brokenness that hasn't healed and they're healing while they're in the relationship uh, or they were broken um, before they came to Christ and now they're trying to heal. So even though you're saved in an instant, you still have brokenness, you know, so it depends on how closely you choose to walk with God that he reveals the brokenness for you. So I told you like for the first you know, before I met you for the first two and a half years, the Lord took me through my brokenness mm-hmm. and had me repent and be delivered and repent and be delivered constantly over like dozens of strongholds. Everything from my body image to sexuality, to my parents, to my ancestry, like literally walking through that and telling me as painful as it was, you have to be healed before you go into another relationship or you will bring that trauma into that new relationship. And so people who bring that into their new relationship is because they have not healed that they're, they're still allow, they're still allowing that selves that to be done to themselves. That the gentleman that uh, he asked a lot of questions tonight, he, 
rarely ask that many questions. He does uh, on the Friday night men on the Friday morning men's breakfast. Oh. He was the same. I, 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 so as I heard his voice, I look at all. <laughs> but he did have the one good question about generational curses. Yes, that the devil will prey on those generational curses. We'll use them, and and the Lord says that I can. I'll curse you to the fourth generation. Mm. He would say to the old uh, old test in the Old Testament time because they were carrying the sins of their ancestors. And that might be they grew up in a in a in a household where the relationship between the mom and the dad and then they in turn then get exactly into abusive relationship and, and so carry on, on either yeah. become the abused or the abuser or alcoholism or yes whatever. it's the same thing i told that's something the lord revealed to me about my family he says as persians we had literally thousands of years of debauchery and he says you are breaking a life of debauchery that is a generational curse for as far back Basically, the Lord described it to me as far back as the beginning of the, the Persian civilization. As the beginning of the seed of your ancestry, you are fighting debauchery. So you have to stand on that. That's why sobriety and righteousness is so important, he says, because you will never break those curses unless you walk in a certain type of righteousness and then carry that forward for my daughter. And I tell her the same thing. We have family riddled riddled with addiction and debauchery that takes it takes a uh, perseverance to overcome mm. and so you have to recognize and have to be willing to sit with god and be like what are my generational curses ask god to reveal them i advise everybody to do this what am i carrying what am i carrying from my ancestors to the fourth generation and have him reveal that to you because they are there's another one uh, that a lot of women, maybe men need to be delivered from is um, what they call stamping. So non-believing men, especially if they engaged in false religions or idolatry or some form of uh, narcissism can often be this, the same thing, is they will kind of imprint on a woman uh, certain, certain beliefs and structures that create strongholds in her. You will never, um, no one will ever want to marry you. No one will, you will never be able to have children. You will never be able to be a good wife. You can never stay with one person. Like, and constantly imprinting that over them, speaking that over them until it gets so deep in their psyche, they can't break it until they confess their sins to God. They ask the Lord to break the strongholds. We put every thought captive to the command of Christ Jesus so that he may pull down the stronghold. If you don't tell him the stronghold or acknowledge the stronghold, he can't pull it down. Wow. Our viewers are very quiet tonight. <laughs> Where is everybody? They're watching. They're not, they're not typing. Why aren't you typing, they, folks? They must be nearly asleep. It's almost 10 o'clock here yeah, <laughs> Pacific Standard Time, meaning that it's like 1 o'clock in the morning and uh, not that. East like, Coast. Yeah, yeah, 1 o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. On the East Coast. Um, and who knows what time it is in Australia. Well, it's the middle of the day for <laughs> Kate Mary, so I don't know what Kate is because she, she'd she be quite prolific on this topic, yeah. so she may not be with us tonight. Um, wow. that You just took it into a whole other area. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean... This may be uh, another topic for my Fearless Man podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, yeah, just the whole thing with, uh, you know, my my story with my parents that, you know. Yeah, you, know. you got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do. No, but I did, this, there's this, this, the. But it's, it's in the spirit of forgiveness. You want to break it. You I don't want to blame them. I, them. I, I, I keep saying I forgive them for. No, but they imprinted certain things there's certain things that you're carrying that you need to give to god for him to break hmm. you know that you acknowledge because we're tough right i when i first went to therapy and my my, my therapist was like oh my god like are you clueless to the things that have happened to you and that's why she called it disassociative disorder she's like because you just shoved this all into some black box um and ignored it can we just take the little black box out and 
<laughs> no, you the, what you do with the Lord, which is what my dad told me early on what therapy was going to do is you take your box and you unwrap it and you take each piece out, and you look oh. at it. Yeah, that's what therapy does. He's like, that's the brilliance of therapies. You take your black box that's causing you all of this anguish. You don't realize it's causing anguish and you take each piece out. And so in Christian terminology, we take each each piece out and we put it at the feet of Jesus. And I'm like, we need you to break. I need you to break this off of me. I need you to break this stronghold off of me. And he says, son, daughter, in the name of Jesus, I break that off of you. Mm-hmm. But we acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it. Hmm. You know, um, I've done a lot of that in the past, but I think that, that we could also go back and some of you may relate to this. Uh, as I, I mentioned this, even last night, I got asked the same question. What was the difference of being a Christian and now a, a godly man? Two different things. <laughs> Is that, yeah, so that I, I, I keep thinking back then, you know, men with no regrets. There was a period, there's a section in that where you visit your dad wounds. And you go through the, the week talking about those and actually talking about them out loud and getting into groups and even going off cool. by yourself and uh, meditating on, on these kinds of things. But it surely is a, a, it's certainly, it it was important then to at least acknowledge them and to bring them up and to know what they are. But it would be different talking to God now, as opposed to talking to God as a religious person. Yes. Because it's more of the check a, check a box kind of thing. And I think that was important about Vic's question last night about when did that, how did that change for you? What was that shift? And that shift was that I was a, a total um, surrender to God and meaning it. That's why I said it like, I may have said it twice last night. I don't, you have to mean it. Right. <laughs> you can say it all you want, but, it doesn't, but do you mean it? And it does. It never stops though. Mm-hmm. So why did Chris remind us to confess our sins when their sins are forgiven on the cross? Because we need to be purified of the sins and we're constantly sinning. It's not a one. It's not a one-step adventure. That's why Peter describes this progression because the sanctification process takes a lifetime. We're constantly sinning. We're constantly repenting. We're constantly trying to move towards godliness, and to move towards godliness, every thought has to be captive to Christ. So that means, whoa, why is this person triggering me? Whoa, why am I upset right now? Why am I wounded? Why am I feeling, you know, and and sitting and praying on that for the Lord to reveal that's because your mommy hurt you. That's because so-and-so hurt you. You say, well, you know what, God, I ask you to take this from me, take this stronghold from me, free me from it. And he lifts it. It may rear its ugly head again. And you go back and you pray again. You know, it's not a one-step process. Robert Block brings up a very important point here. Think about canine imprint, and I'm and I'm hoping I'm thinking on the same lines as he is, but it is perfect. It's 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 awesome. So a canine imprint can it can be oh I think you mentioned that to me be many things, and and if uh, those of you that aren't canine people, um, is that I mean we've all heard of uh, the Pavlov uh, theory uh, with with the dogs with that you you ring the bell, give the dog food, ring the bell, give the dog food, ring the bell, give the dog food. And then um, I'm shortening it. And then at some point you ring the bell and the dog begins to salivate because he's so used to the food being there. And the salivation is the response that you get from the ringing of the bell. And now it's imprinted in the dog's psyche. It happens. The dog doesn't think, oh, there's the bell. I'm now going to salivate. You mentioned that about the getting the toy too. Like you just have to like get, raise it or something. And then it's. Yeah, you can go. So it's all about the toy. There's all kinds of imprinting uh, that happens that it's an automatic reaction to a stimulus. The stimulus occurs in the automatic. And that's what I try. It's the hardest things for judges. I would win every case if I get a judge to understand this. And I spend so much time trying to explain it. (laughs) <laughs> and they just don't understand. They go, well, you know, it could be this. No, you don't understand. When you train a narcotics dog, you're, you're imprinting. Thank you, Robert Block, for this. I wish I would have thought of it. Um, the, the, the odor in the dog's psyche, so that when it smells the odor, it's an automatic response of the indication where the dog sits automatically. 
because remember, I get cases where the dogs, I can watch the video of the dog doesn't sit and have, well, my dog showed me that there was narcotics there. I go, but the dog didn't sit. Either the dog's not trained properly or the dog didn't smell the odor. It's one of the two. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the two. You can't tell me. And they go, right. well, you know, they had now, their this nose. day, he they didn't got, feel they, like sitting because the ground was hot. They had their nose. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they had their nose, the dog. And when his little right ear with this, or the dog peed on the, I almost said pissed. I'm glad I didn't say that. He peed on the tire. No, that's not, that's not it. I said, I said, I say, the dog didn't do, he's not imprinted properly. And so it, it wasn't an actual alert. And so this imprintate that we have from our, our past life, right? Dad says this, and he says it so often it's that imprinted. it's like, you know, you're not good enough. And my, my dad would in relationship. The one, the, the one that always kind of gets me is that uh, I was a, I was a pole vaulter and I wasn't just a, you know, just every day I was winning everything. And I was ranked number two in the state of California. And I, I share that with you because I know that I was, I was winning these things and I was good. And I had trained myself uh, and there were, there's no internet. I did it from a book and, and I was, I was, I'm just gonna, I was very talented in what I was doing. And I would come home with a gold medal and my dad would say, who'd you steal that from? How much did that so cost sad. you to buy that off of the guy that actually won it? Oh. Constant. And so it imprinted this thought that you will never be good enough. Yeah. And so I was constantly trying to show him I'm good enough. And then I'd get the response and it would, I'd have the imprint of I'm not good enough. And then I'd go off again, trying to, it was this, con this constant that it was never happening, but that was perfect, Robert. Thank you for that. But yeah, it's just like that we, uh, what we do to dogs. Um, and humans do it to other humans. Yeah. And I, it even, well, it, I was just going to say really quick that the dog, remember we brought up this the other day when these people are friends of ours that had a dog that was kind of out of control, jumping on people, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think the dog had imprinted them that that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because then, because then when I showed, listen, what an obedient dog looks like, they go, Oh, oh that I looks bad. That the, the dog sits when you stop. The dog, the dog doesn't he jump on unhappy. people. Yeah, the dog, the dog really likes jumping on people. Why is he not doing it? So now they're like going, Wait, I'm in, I've been imprinted that my dog's supposed to be an a hole. Right. Exactly. We just get, and this goes back to what we learned in life group about the trigger mm. event that we constantly keep repeating patterns that are fleshly patterns as opposed to godly patterns. That mm. at that moment, we have to stop and be like, God, I need your help in this moment. God, help me in this moment. Help me at this trigger point that I'm at so mm. that we choose the godly way instead of the fleshly way, the cycle that keeps continuing and continuing. I can say Robert maybe helped me with my expert witness testimony. With this whole thing i mean i don't know if it'll change anything but it's just nice. it's so it's so clear it's oh so there's clear. kate uh kate says the trigger memory demands we respond i reckon god allows it to pop up so we could face it forgive them and bring the memory to the cross mm. i and that's where he meets us and heals us <laughs> amen sister <laughs> yes good. he allowed and he guess what you probably know this better than anyone, Kate. He'll keep bringing that trigger up until you heal from it. He will keep repeating that trigger. Are, 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 you, are you better now? Are you better? Yeah. He lets Satan trigger us in the exact way that he knows will be successful because he's challenging us to be refined like gold. Wow. To get to the point where we're not triggered. Wow. Hey, Robert, let me know if that if I was on the right track with what you meant by what you typed, because I sure it sure did figure it it felt like that um, that's what you were you're meaning by that point. Uh, one last thing, if I can go back to it for just one second, if you don't mind, right. is that once you've imprinted a dog, it's so difficult to to not to take it out. And that's why you can't make a narcotics dog a bomb dog. But God. Yeah. That's the difference. I cried to the Lord when I left Islam. I cried to God because I did not know Jesus yet. How did I do 22 years so devout and so pious and then turned into this like 20-year-old swinging from the chandeliers in an instant? Mm. And it's because it's because that wasn't transformed by God. Only Christ, only the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can take 30, 40, 50 years of patterns and demolish it like that. Wow. Only he can do that. 
but you have to take it to the cross. You have to give it to him to heal it. Yeah, Robert says, yes, sir. So that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I had to go through all that whole thing and him go, no, actually. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Um, because there's a difference between imprinting and, and cursively. Recursively? I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, of training a dog. Like we, we can train somebody. to te- We can train a dog to sit. By fear, you mean? Like yeah. Cursively? yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the dog will sit like you a couple times. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then you uh, like, like when I, when I take the leash, like pretty quickly, I can get a dog to sit. Does that mean he's trained? No. He just knows that for me, when I, when I stop, he better sit. Like he, goes, uh, he just knows. And I hand the leash to the person and the dog won't, won't sit. When you've imprinted a dog, I could take somebody else's narcotics dog when we've done it right and do a search and the dog will do the same thing for me. I can hand the leash to Robert and the dog will do the search and do the same thing for him. That's imprinted. That's why women, for the most part, and I'm sure men repeat the same patterns yes. over and over with a different person. My gosh, we've just, I got we got to write a book. <laughs> God just gave us some incredible material. <laughs> That's what my whole book was about from bondage to freedom. <laughs> wow. We better sell this podcast. But the trigger doesn't weaken as we learn to replace it with what he speaks into it. Well, hopefully you get the trigger eventually goes away. With God. With God. Yeah. He'll give, I firmly believe he gives you victory over the triggers eventually, unless it's a thorn that is meant to buffet him, as, as Paul said about, his infirmity or whatever it was. We don't know what it was for sure. Where he said, I asked God three times to remove it. And he refused and says, your, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Mm. So God allowed him to have a infirmity that was Satan's prod in his life. Well, this is the, uh, the chain to an anchor. And what is God? He's the chain breaker. He's the chain breaker. (laughs) Miracle worker. (laughs) It is. It's a chain. It's a chain. You're dragging around this anchor. That yes. chain you're dragging it and dragging. Who the it. Lord okay. sets free is free indeed. <laughs> you have to be set free. Wow. All right. We better get off before we ruin it. This was gratis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Robert. It was from God. Thank you, Robert, for 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 putting that comment. That's why we need you guys to comment. You come up with a comment that just completely. I think we overwhelmed something. them until the very end. Yeah, yeah they're all like, "Where are these? What? What is happening?" No, in I these think two's they were. They were they're, <laughs> I mean, again, God speaking through this devotional, and you got uh, Charles Spurgeon from a hundred years ago speaking into something that was purely, um, uh, it was God inspired. I mean, it, it was just what we needed. This devotion is what we needed. We needed the the, the, the angels and demons class. Um, because and he talked about the, he night. talked about the doors that was from our message on Sunday. It's a beautiful. That's and our beautiful. friend Vic, how he gets he tells this great personal life story, which I'm not going to tell the whole thing is his private business. But mm-hmm. but I love the part where he's like, and the Holy Spirit told me don't say anything, and I said, you know what, I'm saying something anyways, <laughs> and then just allowed the, yeah, just allowed the trigger to create the cycle. <laughs> and how many times have we done that? Like, were you? You kind of can hear the soft, still voice, but you're like, you know what? I'm not listening to you right now. I'm going to repeat this pattern. And you're never, you're never satisfied by it. It never leads to anywhere good. No. Um, but we just learned from trial and error. No, and you try all the other stuff. I mean, you try drugs, alcohol, gambling, you know, prostitutes, uh, pornography. You try all these things to, to mask, um, you know, the, the, the trauma. The, the you know the the all the things that you've been through and the imprinting and hoping it that it will dull the the senses so that you don't get you know triggered by stuff and it, so and true it back and it, it as soon as it it's up it doesn't change anything you're right back to where you were before <laughs> but with a headache and oh, right you know, and a, you're right and a stomachache and, and an a empty, very uh, guilty conscience empty wallet. Wow. I, and I also want to end on the comment that some scripture that I, or if it's a worship song made from scripture, that I am who you say I am, mm-hmm. that we always have to revert back to 
I am a child of God. The old is gone and the new has come. I am, it is no longer I that lives, but the righteousness of Christ that lives in me. We have to remind ourselves that the victory is won, that, that's, that Christ defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave. We just have to walk in that victory. So we don't ever get defeated when we rely on Christ. The, the battle is won. He's just walking it through. It's Navy SEAL training. I need you to be able to hold your breath underwater. I need you to take rapid fire and not respond. I need you to have that suit of armor that nothing penetrates. So I need to walk you through. I need you to hold your breath underwater. I need you to carry this 200 pound log. I need you to get shot at. Hold I need ground. you to get and hold your ground and not start screaming like a crazy dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I need you. Yeah, right? I just think of a chihuahua, you know? I'm just like, we need to behave like Navy SEALs. Or, or, or. <laughs> Not that kind of SEAL. Okay. All right, my friends. Again, go to resurrectministry.com. That's where you'll find the other shows that we have and other content and email us. And uh, if you want to partner with us, feel free to do that. Uh, and then they can find us on an app for our Edify, podcast. the Christian Podcast Network, E-D-I-F-I.app. Subscribe, check out the other content, and you would truly bless us if you would subscribe and like the podcast. Yes, for sure. Thank you, Robert, for your comment that uh, got us uh, some more valuable content. That, that it's, It really has got at work. Uh, Amen. In these messages, and we really do appreciate it. And everybody else that commented and, and watched, but it was um, awesome. Iris. Iris de la Torre. Hi, Iris. And we didn't say hi to Jan. She also was like, I'm late. Oh, hi, Jan. <laughs> hi, Jan. We didn't, I didn't mean to ignore you, but that we were on a roll. <laughs> but Iris, nice to have you. We appreciate you uh, being on tonight. All right. Anything else, my love? That's it. Awesome. Signing off from your Belinda, California. <laughs> That's the first time you've been to signing off. <laughs> <laughs> like Walter Cronkite. <laughs> This has been the CBS Late Show. What did he used to say? Okay. You know. He used to open with from the desert to the sea to all the. Oh, I think he's closed with that too. Now that I'm thinking about it. It's a, a good night. A good night. Hey, wait, God bless. Hello, hello. Awesome. All right, my friends. We love you guys. Thank you. God bless. Take care. Good night. <laughs>